Hi guys and welcome back to the Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast. Please welcome to the show this morning to chill our spines for last Tuesday's episode. The Dead Never Die. In this first episode, we find a man who has been wandering on a road for a while and is picked up by a passerby. The driver picks him up and is driving along when the passenger tells the driver that there is going to be a landslide here in about five miles. So five miles later, the landslide happens. And the driver asks him, how did you know that that was going to happen? And then he tells that he died over 24 hours ago. And he only has a few hours left before midnight to get a message out to the Attorney General of the United Nations. And it is called, The Man Died Yesterday. And in the second episode, we find a woman who is crying at a gravesite for her husband. When all of a sudden she finds, hears knocking in the coffin and tells the men to pull him up because he is alive. So the man escapes death once, but he has a strange thing to tell one of his friends to put a phone in his coffin and his wife tells him that that's crazy but he tells her to wait for a year and if he doesn't call within a year he's dead But towards the end of the episode, we find another man has come back from the dead years later and wants to take the woman with him. And then the phone rings and it is called The Line is Dead. And in this next episode, Starring Miss Mercedes McCambridge, we find a man who is paranoid by his wife's voice and the screeching meowing of her cat. And every two hours, she picks up the phone. He picks up the phone and she tells him how many hours he has left to live until he ends up confessing to killing her to try to make it stop and it is called Beyond the Grave and in this final episode which you may have heard on the tale of the sisters we find two sisters who are in love with the same man the young oldest sister once him all to herself and to no one else but the younger sister has become engaged to the man that 
she has fallen for. So the older sister is reefed with jealousy and does the unthinkable by killing her own flesh and blood. Forty years later, the sister remembers that day like it was yesterday. And it is called the Bog Oak Necklace. I hope you guys enjoy the Spooktober Part 2 presentation of The Dead Never Die. And if you like the show, please comment and subscribe, guys. And thank you once again for your patience. I really do appreciate it. And always remember, guys, to enjoy the show. Thanks. Last time, Walt. Please let me go. Nuts. Then it has to be this way. Hap, no. Drop that gun. I'm sorry, Walt. Very sorry. I've known all along you had to die tonight. But I didn't know. I killed you. Midnight. The witching hour when the night is darkest. Our fears the strongest. And our strength at its lowest ebb. Midnight. When the graves gape open and death strikes. How? You'll learn the answer in just a minute in... The Man Who Died Yesterday. Terror by Radio's Masters of the Macabre. Our story by William Morwood is The Man Who Died Yesterday. Afternoon on a little traveled highway. A strange looking man in threadbare clothes. Stands hopefully by the roadside. A car comes around a curve. Slows up. Stops. Looking for a lift? Are you headed for New York? That's me. Hop in. Thank you. It's very good of you. I, I'm in a hurry to reach New York. I haven't much time, you see. Yeah, sure. I picked you right off for a big executive on his way to a board meeting. Oh, nothing like that. <laughs> it's just that oh, there's something terribly important I've got to do. A mission. Oh, Salvation Army, huh? No, United Nations. 
I have to see the Secretary General before midnight tonight. That leaves me only eight hours. The United... Are you feeling all right, pal? Yes. I was sick, but I'm feeling fine now. You don't look so good to me. Why does it go? Of course, you could do with a haircut, too. I suppose so. I'm afraid I've been out of touch with civilization a long while. By the way, my name is... Rather was... David Hepgood. Hi, I'm Walt Griggs. Can't you drive any faster, Walt? We've still got a long way to go, and... Well, I'm worried about this part of the road. There's going to be a rock slide and... Rock slide? Oh, you mean those signs? Ah, it's nothing to worry about. They put them up on... What the... It's all right. Keep going, Walt. We got through safely. Yeah, but... There was a rock slide, just like you said. Of course. But... How did you know? I can see ahead, Walt. See into the future for 24 hours. The guy was nuts, of course, but... Still, what are the odds against calling a long shot like that? A million to one? A billion? I gave up trying to figure it. We drove along for about an hour and then stopped for gas. There was this hamburger joint right by... Where are we going, Walt? Grab a bite. Oh, but there isn't time. I've less than seven hours now, and by midnight I... got to gas up anyway, and I'm hungry. Come on, Hep. Hiya, fellas. Hello, sugar. Sit down, Hep. What'll it be, boys? Hamburger for me, sweetheart, with onions. What's yours, Hep? I... I'm not hungry. Oh, busy with your speech for the United Nations, huh? Well, I'll just read this racing form while you're thinking. Racing form? Sure, I play the G's all the time. Got some important dough on today's meet. Fifty bucks on Alistair to win in the sixth. Alistair. Yep. I'm afraid you'll lose your money, Walt. What? Don't kid me. Alistair's the hot favorite. It's going to be a walkaway. Marble the third won that race. Marble? How do you nuts? He's a rank outsider. A hundred... What do you mean, won the race? It hasn't been run yet. Hasn't it? I didn't know. Look, I... Wait a minute. Sweetheart. Yeah? You think you can get the races on the radio? Oh, sure. It's all tuned in. A lot of our customers like to listen. Oh, if we can't waste time like this. Who can think about a horse race? I can. Remember my 50 bucks. But... The great race. The crowd is going wild with excitement. They're around the bend now, coming into the straight. Alistair is out in front by two lanes. Uh The rest of the horses bunched. Alistair is going strong. Atta boy, where's your marble half? Wait. Entering the last stretch now. It's a walk away for Alistair. Nice, Four it? lengths ahead and no challengers. Wait a minute. Alistair stumbles. Can't regain stride. He's down. What? The jockey's going clear, but Alistair is... The other horses have gone past. Number eight is out in front. Number eight. Marble the third. Marble the third. Marble the third. And marble wins. We go. Ah, turn that thing That's off. run for the books, folks. The most extraordinary... I'll be... You knew it all the time, Ab. You knew Marble had to win. Of course. What we've got to go. Sure. Sure, Ab, anything you say. You're the guy I've been waiting for all my life. I didn't need no more figuring to tell me Hap was a gold mine. And I had him first before anybody else could get their hooks into him. The only thing that worried me was the way he talked. All this about midnight, not having much time. I had to use him while I had him, even if it meant taking chances. 
So while we drove, I worked on a plan. Walt, we've left the New York road. The signs are pointing the other way. I know. I'm taking a shortcut through a town called Hassock. Hassock? Yeah. That name mean anything to you, Hap? Hassock? Think hard. Let me see. There's going to be a holdup there tonight at the factory. Two men involved. They steal the week's payroll, ten thousand dollars. Ten grand, huh? They get away with it? There's a chase, but they shake off the police. Great. Couldn't be better. Why? Where do two men have? You and me. What? No, Walt, no, I'm not a criminal. And I've something else to do with what little time I have left. You're coming with me, Hap. Maybe this will convince you. The gun doesn't frighten me. Stop the car and let me out. I've got to get to New York. All right, look, I'll make a deal with you. You come with me on the stick-up, and I'll drive you straight through to New York without stopping. Leon? But, but I can't, Walt. My message concerns the whole world. That's the only way you'll get to deliver it. Well, if, if it is the only way. All right. Now, there's something more I've got to tell you, Walt. What's that? We leave a dead man behind. <laughs> dark when we hit town. I drove down the main street and onto the factory building beyond. It was all dark except for a light in the cashier's office. Hap and I went in. There was a guy sitting at a desk. Who? Who are you? What do you want? A ten grand in that safe. This is a stick-up, brother. You, you're crazy. There's no ten... Open up. I'll do the talking. I, I warn you, men. You'll be caught for Shut this... up and start turning that dial. All right. Well, I guess you win. Come on, come on. Snap into it. I'm doing the best I can. That's it. Now hand out those greenbacks. Come on, get a move on. Watch out, Walt. He's turning in an alarm. Oh, you double cross and rat. Oh. Hey. Carry you. Is the guy that had to be killed, Hap? Yes. Okay, then step on it. The cops will be swarming around like flies. Gaining on us, Walt. I can't go any faster. I'm down to the floorboards already. He'll start shooting soon. You sure we get away? There's no slip-up? No. We get away all right. Good. Where did they get you, Walt? My arm. What do we do, Hap? Keep driving till we hit that bend in the road. Yeah? There's a clump of willows around the corner. Pull in there. Okay. Here goes. That's the lights. Off. Like you said. No hurry. Get back to the New York road. I've less than three hours left. Okay, but i got to stop and see a doctor. A doctor? Sure, my arm. Oh, what's the matter, Hap? I'm afraid of that doctor. Something happens there that I don't understand. What is it? I don't know. It's something I should have explained before. I can see into the future for you, Walt, and for everyone else. But not for myself. You the doctor? What can I do for you? Oh, my arm. I had a little accident. I was cleaning my gun and it went off. 
Come into my office. Okay. And this man? He's just a friend of mine. Nothing the matter with him. I don't agree. Looks much sicker than you do. No, doctor, really. Your face, it's the color of... No, I'm all right. Believe me, please hurry with my friend. It'll only take a second. Just get my stethoscope. Let's quit kidding around, doc. I'm the one that... Quiet. Good. Good Lord. What's the matter, doc? Why are you looking at him like that? But it's, it's impossible, of course, but there's no heartbeat. No. But, but that's impossible if... If your heart wasn't beating, you'd be... Dead? Yes. I've been dead since yesterday, at midnight. Staring at him, at the living corpse of the man who died yesterday, Walt and the doctor draw back in horror. Just who is David Hapgood... Perhaps we'll know when the clock strikes 12 for murder at midnight. <laughs> And now, back to Murder at Midnight and The Man Who Died Yesterday. The goose pimples were standing out on me. Here I'd found the guy, been with him for hours through a hole up in a killing. And now I was hearing from his own lips that he was dead. He gave me the creeps. I wanted to take it in the land, but instead I was froze to the floor. I heard the doc saying... You've been dead since yesterday? Yes, doctor. But that's, that's impossible. There must be some explanation, some obscure heart condition. There is an explanation, but not that kind. You see, I was cheated out of 24 hours at the time of my birth. Eh? And I'm just making up for it now. How do you mean? This will sound fantastic to you, but nevertheless it's true... I was born on a ship crossing the international date line. I started coming into the world during the last moments of a Friday and finished up early on Sunday. So I skipped a whole day of my life. I've always been living 24 hours ahead of myself. But, but that's sheer... That's gospel, Doc. He can call the turn on anything like he was reading tomorrow's paper. I told you it would sound fantastic, Doctor. But it is true. When I realized it, I... Well, I tried not to use it for selfish hands... I wanted to help people, but I never could. People would never listen to me, believe me. Finally, I realized that there was no place for me in the world, that man wasn't meant to know the future. So I went away, up into the woods. Uh, how long ago? About ten years ago. Away from civilization, it was easier. I still knew what was going to happen, of course, but with no way to communicate my knowledge, my conscience was at rest. That is, until last night. Last night? I had caught a cold. It developed into pneumonia. I was deathly sick. I couldn't breathe and uh, lost consciousness. Then suddenly, at midnight, I was well. Quite well. Not a trace of my illness. 
I knew what had happened, of course. I was dead. Duh. But I still had my missing day to live. I knew I must use it for the benefit of mankind. How? There's something I know. Something that involves the fate of millions of people. Unless some action is taken within the next few hours. What action? What is it? I'm sorry, but I can't tell you, Doctor. I can't tell anyone except the Secretary General of the United Nations. And I must reach him before midnight, before I'm really dead. It's getting on to ten o'clock. Now do you understand why I'm in such a hurry? I'll say, let's get going, Hap. Never mind about my arm. That can wait. No, listen to me, Hap. You can't leave. What? As far as your being able to read the future is concerned, well, it doesn't matter whether I believe that or not. But that heart condition of yours, that's something unique in medical history. Now, you've got to let me take you to a hospital where it can be studied properly. Lay off that stuff. Now, I'll phone for an ambulance. Stay away from that phone. He's mine. Yours. But do you realize what this can mean to science? To don't you? give me that talk. You just want to grab him off for yourself. Uh, nonsense. Stop it. Stop it, both of you. I don't belong to anyone. I'm not a specimen to be examined. I've got a mission to perform for all of civilization. I've got to get to the United Nations before... Now, now, no matter how you've been deluding yourself, young man, you're terribly sick. I'm going to phone the hospital Okay, and... you asked for it. You, you... I must get away from here. Hap. Hap, come back here. Come back here. Okay, if you're dead, it won't hurt you. And if you're not... Oh! Holy smoke. That bullet went right through you and only knocked you down. Let go of me, Walt. Try to run away, huh? I've got to get to New York. Nothing can stop. You're coming with me, Hap. I got plans for us as long as you last. You've got your ten thousand. What more do you want? A chance to run it up to a hundred thousand, and we can do it. I know the place, and you can call the cards. But there's no time. I'm figuring on only a couple of hours. That's plenty. Listen, Walt. I'm asking you for the last time. Let go. Do a decent thing for once in your life. Nuts. What I'm trying to do, it's for you as much for millions of others. I never gave a cuss about the others, and I'm not starting now. All right, Walt. Then it has to be this way. Hap, drop that gun. I'm sorry, Walt. Very sorry. I'd known all along that you had to die tonight. But I didn't know that I'd kill you. Kind of a silent type, ain't you? Sorry? Oh, that's all right. I don't like fellows a gad too much. You know, it, it was nice of you to pick me up back there on the road. I was lonely. Besides, I, uh... Well, I needed reassurance. How's that? You see, I've been out of touch with civilization for some time, and the people I've met today weren't... inspiring. <laughs> You're a strange guy, do you know it? Am I? Yeah, I mean, the way you talk and look... You don't look quite real. Oh, now, now don't get me wrong. I, I like you a lot. Oh, I'm glad. Well, for instance, we've been driving for nearly an hour now, and you haven't even made a pass at me once. I'm afraid that wouldn't do either of us much good. Yeah, but just the same, a girl appreciates a little thing like that. Incidental, what's your name? You can call me Hap. Hi, Hap. I'm Hazel. How do you do? Well, I guess I ought to tell you something about myself. Well, I know a little already. Huh? You're going to New York to find your fiancé, aren't you? Yeah, a guy called... Say, how'd you know that? You're going to look him up in the phone book and call. Then you're going to uh, find out that he's married. What? Oh, you're kidding me. Jim wouldn't do a thing like that. He'd wait for me forever. He said he would. And Hey, why are we stopping? Almost out of gas. Howdy, folks. Uh, fill her up as quickly as possible. Okay. 
Uh, how far to New York from here? Well, you ought to be at George Washington Bridge in about ten minutes. Fine. You folks hear about all the excitement on the highway. No, what happened? Well, the cops are looking for a crazy killer. Murdered three people. One was a stick-up, the other two was a doctor and his own sidekick. Oh, what's he look like? Well, according to the radio, he's got, got a chalk white face, a mop of hair that looks like it hasn't been cut in weeks, no hat, and, uh, and... What's the matter, bud? What are you staring at? Your, your friend, I... I, I got to get something out of the office. I'll be back in a minute. He's going to phone the police. This is your chance to get out, Hazel. Oh, no, I'm staying with you, Hep. Now, you better get moving and keep moving. No sign we're being followed. We may make it yet. Are you frightened, Hazel? Being with me? I guess I should be, but I'm not. Thank you. Somehow I, I can't believe you're crazy. If you killed anyone, you knew what you were doing and you had a good reason. Thank you again. You don't know what that means to me. Have people always been scared of you, Hat? Most people. Till I met you. Why couldn't I have met you sooner, Hazel? Well, what's wrong with now? It's a little late. Not for me. You honestly mean that? Sure. Well, then perhaps it's going to be all right after all. Perhaps we'll meet again. What do you mean? I didn't mean to tell you this. Perhaps I shouldn't now. It may cause you pain. Go ahead. I can stand it. After you call Jim, your fiancé, and find that he's married, you start across the street in a daze. A taxi is driving too fast and got my number on it, huh? Yes, I'm sorry. And yet, in a way... What did that sign say, Hazel? Uh, uh, George Washington Bridge, two miles. Oh, I'm going to make it. There's still time. The Secretary General is in his home. They'll let me in when they hear my message. I'll have most of an hour with him. It's not quite 11 yet. 11? Hey, your watch must have stopped. What? Look, look, there's a clock on the building. Where? Up to the right, there. Three minutes of 12. Oh. Well, what's the matter, Hap? Oh, I can't make it. Oh, I've lost. Unless... a telephone. There's still time for that. Well, why are you stopping here? There's no phone. In that house, the family's all in bed upstairs. There's a telephone in the parlor. But the door's sure to be locked. They've forgotten to latch the parlor window. Hey, how do you know all these things? Never mind now. Goodbye, Hazel. But I'll be waiting here. No, you'd better start down the road. The police mustn't find you. But when you come back, I'll be here. I won't be back, Hazel. This is goodbye. For keeps. But you've got to come back. You've got to. Operator, get me the Secretary General of the United Nations at his home. Hurry, please, it's urgent. Hello? The Secretary General, please, it's terribly important. No, I've got to speak to him personally. I... Uh... Midnight. Hello? Will you get him for me? There's no time left and... Uh... Never mind. I'll tell you. It's... It's about... <gasps> Thank you.
Where are they? They must have climbed in this window. We'd better go in and have a look. There was a girl with him when he left my gas station. She ought to be around. Where's the light? Here. There he is, on the floor. And he looks... He's dead, all right. No wonder. Look at that hole in his chest. Wait a minute. There's something funny here. That wound never bled. Huh? The only way that could happen is... if he was dead before the bullet hit him. staring at a corpse that is finally still, and still forever, the corpse of the man who died yesterday, while outside, somewhere in the night, a restless spirit keeps a rendezvous that none can avoid, and the distant clocks chime the last notes in epilogue for murder at midnight. again when death brings time to a full stop and the clocks strike twelve for murder at midnight. The part of David Hapgood was played by Stuart Brody. Vandell Kramer was Walt. With music by Charles Paul, Murder at Midnight was directed by Anton M. Leader. sure about that, Wentworth. What do you mean? Don't forget that skeleton there. He was once a man, too. Until he was trapped in here. Or murdered. What of it? Oh, nothing. Nothing except this. Midnight. The witching hour when the night is darkest. Our fears the strongest our strength at its lowest ebb. 
Midnight, when the graves gape open and death strikes. How? You'll learn the answer in just a minute in The Line is Dead. Mystery and Terror by Radio's Masters of the Macabre. Our story by Faith Blau is The Line is Dead. The gash in the green lawn of Brookside Memorial Park awaits the body of Albert Lockridge, scientist and explorer. There are few who have followed him to his last resting place, for Albert Lockridge was not one who was prodigal with his affection. So beside the yawning grave stands his wife, Lenore. Albert. Finishing the short service, the minister says, And so, unto dust, you are now committed. (laughs) You may lower the casket. Strong hands grasp the straps attached to the coffin. The pulleys sing their discordant dirge, a strange melody heard over the soft weeping of Lenore Lockridge. Suddenly... Listen, knocking, knocking in the coffin. Albert, Albert, we hear you. We know you're alive. Raise the casket. Raise the casket. Yes, sir. Isn't he, Dr. George? He seems to be, but... But uh, what? Well, you can't blame me if I'm a little hesitant in giving my opinion. You mean you're not sure that he'll... That he will? Yes. Oh. After all, Mrs. Lockridge, my position is a little awkward. I signed the death certificate feeling certain that your husband was dead. And now I'm naturally reluctant to predict just what course his convalescence will take. I think I understand. The only thing that really matters is that my husband's lying in his bed at home and not in the cold, black earth of Brookside. Isn't that true? You're a very sensible woman. Albert will get better. Uh, Probably. But we'll have to watch his heart. His heart? Uh, These strange spells when his heart seems to stop, uh, when I thought it had stopped. Each attack is an added strain. But the strain of regaining consciousness in the coffin, he withstood that with even a, when even a healthy person might not have. Oh, he's a hard person to kill. Oh, thank goodness for that. Well, this time it was a pretty close call. If he'd come to even ten minutes later, Mrs. Lockridge, no one would have ever known. The doctor says you'll be fine if you'll only rest. I, I, I can't rest. I've 
got to ask you a question. Dear, you've been through so much, too much for any one person, so save any questions you may No, this question can't wait. That sealed envelope, Lenore, the one on my desk. The one I'm supposed to read after... after your... your... Yes, yes, after I'm dead. Lenore? Lenore, you haven't read it, have you? No. No, Albert. I planned to read it after after the funeral, just as you told me to. Sure? You haven't read it? Of course. Get it for me. I ought to see for myself. Albert, no. You've so little strength. But I must know. You will. I must know now. Because if you read it, I don't want to live. Albert, I swear, I swear I haven't. Please believe me. You saw it? No. Look at me. You can see I'm telling the truth. Look at me. Yes. Yes, I think you are telling the truth. another few days, and we'll have you out of that wheelchair. Sometimes I wonder why you go to all this trouble with me, Doctor. It's my job. Yes, but there's so many people who really enjoy life and yet die. Twice now I've been pronounced dead, only to return to life almost reluctantly. Reluctantly? Yes. (laughs) You tried awfully hard to get out of the coffin. (laughs) The sheer horror of being buried alive. I've always been terrified of it. Uh, Since uh, childhood? Yes. My nurse locked me in a closet whenever I misbehaved. I always thought I'd be left to die there. Oh, it's it's not the fact of being death that bothers me. It's uh, it's the fear of being buried alive. It's the choking, the futility of crying out. Yes, it would be a horrible way to die, but... Excuse me, Doctor. There's a Mr. Burton here to see you, Mr. Lockridge. Good. Show him in, Nurse. Uh, nurse... Take our patient out on the sun porch. I'll send his visitor there. Mr. Lockridge? Sit down, Mr. Burton. Thank you. Nurse, if you don't mind. Not at all. If you need me, just call. Now, Mr. Burton, as I understand your business... I'm a telephone engineer specializing in special types of telephone systems. Yes. Perhaps you've read about me in the paper. Yeah, sure I have. You're the guy who came back from the grave. Yes, I'm the guy who came back from the grave. And it strikes me, Mr. Burton, that an occasion might again arise when I might want to do the same thing. That's why I called you. Come again? Sometime a doctor again may pronounce me dead. Perhaps I will be, perhaps I won't. And if I'm not, I'd like to feel that I could call for help. I don't get it. Mr. Burton, in case it should happen again, I'd like you to install a private telephone from this house to my grave. And, Lenore, you must promise to keep the phone installed and in working condition for a year after I'm buried. A year? Darling, that doesn't make any sense. With a stop-and-go heart of mine doesn't make any sense either. But, Albert, a year? The first time my heart stopped for six hours. The next time, nearly two days. Who can tell? Well, a week, a month, perhaps. I think I'm asking very little. 
Well, then think of me, darling. Think of waiting day in and day out for the ring of that telephone. Think of the jumping at every stray bell, at every noise. Darling, you're condemning me to a slow death, like, like being in a grave above ground. I still think my request is a modest one. And the least that a wife who loved her husband would do for him. Albert, don't start that again. After all, I shall be in my grave. Perhaps, perhaps I shall be waiting, too, waiting for help that will never come. Will you please stop this morbid talk? Nothing else seems to be on your mind lately. Besides, it's terribly late, almost midnight. Let's... When death comes to a man slowly, he gets time to think about it. Too much time. Stop it, please. It seems to me that you are only too anxious to get rid of me. Albert, how can you even think such a thing after... I've been a good wife, haven't I? Yes, but you might have made Oliver Wentworth an even better one. Albert, please, please don't bring that up again. What would have happened if Oliver had come back from that expedition with I me? don't know. You would have married him, wouldn't you? Perhaps. I don't know. No. How can you say that? You were engaged to him, weren't you? An engagement doesn't always mean marriage. You did intend to marry him, didn't you? Of course I did. What of it? You know I intended to. And you only changed your mind because he was killed. That's why you turned towards me. Well... I was nothing in your life. You were very sweet to me, Albert, then. I could see that you loved me in your peculiar way. I, I, I appreciated everything you did for me. Appreciate Oh, Albert, why dig, dig, dig looking for a sore spot? It's not fair to me or to you. I was nothing in your life, was I? As long as Oliver was alive. What are you trying to prove? All the time we've spent together, I've played second fiddle to Oliver Wentworth. Look, Albert Lockridge, when we married, I said I'd put all thoughts of Oliver out of my mind. Well, I've done it. At least... At least? At least what? You mean you've tried, but you couldn't. Oh. I knew it. I knew it. You've never loved me. He's always been in your heart. What are you talking about? You just said it. If I had died, you would never have given me another thought. But all the time, here, in my own house, he's been living his own memory, haunting you, haunting us. I can't go on like this. It just can't go on. I've struggled with him long Albert. enough. He's got to go. No matter what I have to do to crush his memory, I've got to kill it. I've got... Uh, Albert. Uh, uh, Lenore. What is it? Uh, Lenore, help me, help me. Chair, my heart. I've got you. Now, slowly. No, slowly. I, I, I don't think... I... I can make it. Of course you can. Of course you can. You've got to. But I can't. I... Doctor, are you sure? Absolutely, Mrs. Lockridge. And this time, the two heart specialists agree with me. But, Doctor, in view of what happened before... We've tried to take that into consideration. But even so... Well, can't you postpone signing the certificate? I'm sorry, Mrs. Lockridge. My colleagues and I all agree that your husband is dead. There can be no delay. Very well, Doctor. Thank you for everything. Goodbye, Mrs. Lockridge. Goodbye, Doctor. Hello? Mr. Burton? This is Mrs. Lockridge speaking. My husband died yesterday. He's to be buried tomorrow at Brookside. Will you please be there as he desired to install a telephone in his grave? A man who was afraid, not of death, but of being buried alive. A telephone to a sealed grave and the great beyond. 
Well, we hear from Albert Lockridge again before the clock strikes 12 for murder at midnight. And now, back to Murder at Midnight and... The line is dead. One, one minute. Oh, Dr. George. Uh, good evening, Mrs. Lockridge. It's awfully nice of you to call. I was worried about you. Oh, I'm all right. I'm fine. I couldn't come to the funeral. I tried to phone you, but... The phone's uh, disconnected. So they said. And so I came over. I rang the bell several times. No answer either. Finally, I knocked. I've had the doorbell disconnected, too. You mustn't cut yourself off from the world like this, Mrs. Lockridge. Believe me, Doctor, that's not my intention. As long as I stand guard at this telephone, I want to be sure that the only bell that ever rings in this house is the one that tells me that Albert's not dead, that he's still alive there in his coffin, that he needs help. You're really going through with this? He asked me to. It doesn't seem too much. No, you're only deluding yourself, Mrs. Lockridge, believe me. Waiting this way is only a perverse and completely futile sort of morning. I know you can't understand. I can't. But I do know that this morbid watch will only deepen your grief, prevent you from making any kind of adjustment to his death. What difference does it make? Now, you're a young woman, Mrs. Lockridge. You have a whole life ahead of you. All the more reason for spending some of it as he wanted me to. Doctor, my husband was not the sort of person who inspired affection. I know. But in his odd, sometimes unaccountable way, he did love me. Now that he's gone, no one on earth holds any fond memories of him but me. A heavy responsibility, Mrs. Lockridge. Still, uh, you must take care of yourself. I will, Doctor. Assume that he is dead. Warn him, as you will, but don't live in a state of suspended animation. For instance, if he's left a will... Don't put off reading it. There are some papers which I was supposed to read after his death. They're in a sealed envelope in his desk. Uh, read them. Uh, read them immediately. No, not uh, yet. You should. Perhaps they'll contain some message of comfort. Uh, get the envelope now. Not now, Dr. George. But very soon. Just a moment. Yes? Oh. Oh. Lenore. Oh, no. No, it can't. It is. I know I shouldn't have come just like this without warning. But I thought... I've always thought... That I was dead. Yes, I know. That's what Albert told me, and you, you never came back. No. Why? It's a long story, Lenore. A story you ought to hear. You know that... Albert died yesterday? I know. That's why I came. Why didn't you come sooner when he was alive? Were you afraid to meet him? I was afraid to meet you. Me? Why, Oliver? By the time I returned, you and Albert were already married. But even so, we both would have welcomed... I wonder. You see, I knew you thought I was dead. No good would have come of such a meeting. But now... Now everything is different. Different? Yes, of course. I loved you then. I love you now. Oliver. I've come back for you. Oliver, you don't understand. H how can I even 
think of such things today. Lenore, I had to come. I've waited so long. I couldn't wait a day longer. Can't you see? It's useless even to think about that now. He may still be alive. I know. No, it's not right just because you do not today. I was afraid you'd think so. Lenore, I wanted to avoid this, but now I see I must tell you. Lenore... Neither of us knew Albert Lockridge. After all, Oliver, I've lived with I him. I still don't think you ever really knew him. I never did, even though I worked with him for many years. That is, until the day we stood in the great hall of the old Aztec temple. The temple we found on that last expedition. The one from which I was not supposed to come back from. We were trying to find a door to an inner chamber. There must be an opening here somewhere, Wentworth. In every Aztec temple ever found, there was always a room near the altar. You keep ceremonial objects. I know, I know. Wait a minute. Hmm? Sounds like a little hollow here. Now, what about that slab on the floor? What about it? You think that it might... Certainly sounds different. If I were an Aztec priest, and I stepped on it like... This. Wentworth! Wentworth, the door! We found the door! Solid stone. And still working after all these centuries. Let's take a look inside. You got the flashlight? Yes, take the hammer. Right. Uh oh. It's not very pretty. Ah. It is a human skeleton, isn't it? Yes. Probably trapped in here and left to die. Ugly death. Look, Lockridge. Those dishes. Swing the flashlight over. Gold. Solid gold. There are more over here. Look, stacks of them. Fortune. We found the treasure. Now, wait a minute, Lockridge. Let's get this straight. In the first place, I don't think we'd be let out of the country with these gold plates. Oh, but we can melt them down and smuggle them out. Melt them down? Well, these things are priceless. Besides, the university sent us here. If the gold belongs to anyone, it's theirs. No one ever has to know. Oh, yes, they do, because I'll tell them. Huh? Huh. It's all very well for you to play the heroic fool. You've everything you want. What the devil do you mean? You know perfectly well. You've got all the money you need. Besides, you have Lenore. What's she got to do with it? You do have Lenore, haven't you? You act as if I took her from you. You were afraid of me. Oh, Lockwich, don't be an idiot. Lenore would no more look at you than... Oh, wouldn't she? She'd marry me if you weren't in the way. I know it. Are you fool? She's just being friendly to you because I asked her. We'll see. If you weren't around... But I am around. And as far as the gold plates are concerned... I said we'll see. After all, that skeleton there, he was once a man, too. Until he was trapped in here. What of it? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Nothing except... there in the dark. Flashlight, the gold plates gone. Left there to die. Trapped behind a stone door. Oh, no, Oliver, no. When Albert Lockridge closed that door in his heart, in his twisted brain, there was only one intention. Murder. But how did you get out? By luck, more than anything else. I had the hammer and I knew where the stone latch was. I started chipping away at it. This day, I don't know how long it took me, but when I finally got out, I was a sick man, exhausted. 
And by the time I was well enough to travel, come home here, you were already married. And he told me that you'd been killed by natives. Of course, that was a lie, but... Oliver, I still can't believe that your story is completely true either. But why? A man who's been the victim of an attempted murder would see that the murderer was punished. You didn't. Didn't even try to. Well, Lenore, how could I? He was your husband. Well, why should that be? Could I brand you as the wife of a murderer? Loving you as I did, as I do? I had to wait. But now let's forget this horrible past. I can't, no matter how I feel I can't. After all, there's no proof. Lenore, don't you believe me? It's not me? just that. Don't you see? At any moment, the telephone may ring, telling me that he's alive. If I knew your story were true, perhaps I'd feel differently, but... Now my place is here. I must stay here. Lenore, please. If you feel any love for me at all... Will you go, Oliver? Please. If that's what you wish. Yes, Lenore. I'll go. But remember... I love you. I don't know why it should matter now, but I still hope you told the truth, Oliver, for then. The papers in the sealed envelope. I promised Dr. George I'd read them. Lenore, there are many things on my mind as I sit writing this last word to you. Many things which no human mind should have to bear without telling another. As I look over my life, I know now it has been an empty mind. I've never had a straightforward human emotion and acted on it. My work has been a sort of shadow play which gave my hollow existence an outward tinge of reality. No friend has really touched me. For I cannot be reached. I married you more out of perverse vanity than love. And yet, perhaps because of your loyalty, some spark of love has been kindled in me. Bear this in mind when you go out to the garden. For there, underneath the sundial, you will find a treasure of gold <coughs> which should take care of you when I cannot. I had intended to use this gold myself. But I could not, because it might incriminate me in the murder of Oliver oh, Wentworth. People, People might ask questions, but you... <gasps> the murder of Oliver Wentworth. Then his, sto his story was true. Oliver! Oh, Oliver! Oliver! Gone. Well, he can't have gone far, and if I hurry... Oliver! Oliver! house. A man who is not dead, lying in his coffin, fighting for breath and waiting, waiting for an answer that will not come. A fitting payment for... Murder!
us again when death stands waiting at a newly dug grave and the clocks strike twelve for murder at midnight. The parts of Mr. and Mrs. Albert Lockridge were played by Mr. and Mrs. Raymond Edward Johnson. With music by Charles Paul, Murder at Midnight was directed by Anton M. Leader. This is your host to welcome you again through the creaking door into the inner sanctum. Come in, come in. I'm enjoying some winter sports with a couple of cold-blooded skates. Personally, I don't mind the low temperature anymore. That's because I wear a snowfall storm coat. Keeps the cold spirits out. <laughs> yes, uh, now I'm just a werewolf in a sheepskin lined shroud. <laughs> mm. Oh, him? Now, that's our photographer, Artie. Yes, he just passed out while taking a picture from overexposure. <laughs> Ready now for our excursion beyond the grave. Let me warn you, we're a bit crowded. You may not be able to get a round-trip ticket... We can accommodate you on the way out, but coming back, you'll have to double up with a corpse. The fog rolls in from the sea and begins to blanket the long, narrow island, which is joined to the Florida mainland by a bridge. In the lone house on the island, two men stand at the window, watching the mist develop into a thick gauze, obscuring the lights on the mainland. Yes, fog is getting worse. Look, look out there. It, it's covering everything like a disgusting, evil monster. It'll lift by morning. Morning, morning, morning. I may not be here by morning. What the devil do you mean by that? I mean, I may not be alive. What are you talking Unless you help me. I asked you out here tonight because I was afraid to be alone. But you said before that your uh, sister-in-law, Carol, and, and her husband, what's his name, uh, Everett, would be here. Yes, Winston, but... You're my friend. You're my closest friend. For the past week, I had a feeling that death was coming here to the island. And then when the fog began to roll in from the sea, I knew it would be tonight. Arthur, you're not making sense. You've got nothing to worry about. Except for being a little nervous, you're perfectly healthy. You don't understand, Vincent. Valerie's come back. Valerie? Yes, she's here on the island. For heaven's sake, Arthur, get hold of yourself. She's and here, stop. out there, someplace in that fog. That's impossible, and you know it. It's been six months since your wife Valerie drowned. 
They never found her body. It, it was never washed up on shore. A drowned body isn't always found. She never went out on that boat. Of course she did. It was all settled at the coroner's inquest. Oh. No, there were some things that were never settled. What do you mean by that? You know Valerie. You know how strange and moody she was. Well, a great many people are moody. No, no. Not like Valerie was. She would prowl this island at night with that cat of hers always following. Everywhere she went, that cat would be with her. And on foggy nights, they'd be gone for hours. Well, that still doesn't prove that Valerie wasn't on that boat. Of course it does. Don't you understand? Cats hate water. I begged her many times to go out fishing with me. She'd never step foot in a boat. Look, this is all just your imagination working overtime. Oh, Vincent, she's come back to kill me. She hated me. From the day we were married, she hated me. On her wedding night, she flew into a rage. She scratched me. Her hand was like a claw, like a cat's claw. And now she's come back to kill me. You better stop talking. The cat disappeared the night Valerie did. Well, of course it did. It drowned with her. No. The cat's come back to the island. I've heard it at night. What you heard was probably a stray cat that wandered onto the island across the bridge. Now, uh, I'll get it. Hello. Arthur Cameron. Yes, who's this? Listen. You have six hours to live, Arthur. Just six more hours. It was Valerie. She spoke to me. What are you talking about? The cat was with her. She she said I had six hours to live. Six hours? Here, let me have that phone. It's no use. She's hung up. Oh, maybe we can trace the call. Hello? Hello, operator. Operator. You're coming to kill me. You've got to help. Now, just take it easy, Arthur. I'll get the police in a minute. Hello, operator. Operator. It's long. Why doesn't she answer? I think I know why. I'm afraid the wires have been cut. Come on. I'm driving you to the mainland. Can't you drive faster? With the fog as thick as it is, Arthur, I'm going faster than I should. But you've got to get me off the island. The bridge is just ahead. We'll be on the mainland in a few minutes. Say, I just remembered something. Huh. You said that Valerie's sister Carol and uh, her husband Everett would be out here to visit you tonight. Yes, but we can't wait for them. What time did they say they'd be here? 8.30. Well, it's past that now. They should drive along this road any moment. Maybe we'll meet them and then... Why did you stop? We can't stay here. The bridge. If I hadn't stopped quickly enough, we'd both have been killed. This end of the bridge has been washed out. Please, let's go back into the house. She's somewhere near us in the fog here. I can feel it. I'm not going in until I find out where that phone wire was cut. I'm going to splice it together again. It's our only chance of reaching the police. It's nine o'clock. An hour has gone by already. And if I'm not out of here by two o'clock... Where is it? Look, look, you can see it through the fog. There's a strange yellow light down the road. Hmm? Why, it's the headlight of a car coming this way. Yeah, quick. Behind the house here and stay out of sight. It's turning into the driveway. How could a car have come onto the island with that bridge washed out? Be quiet. Somebody's getting out. They're coming this way. What? It's it's Carol and Everett. Carol? Everett? Arthur? What in the deuce are you doing out here in back of the house? You scared me. Everett, I'm so glad you're here. What's the matter, Arthur? You actually... Uh, I'll tell you in a minute, but... how How did you get here? How do... Say, what's gotten into you? How did you get on the island? 
We drove over the bridge and up the shore road. How else can you get here? But how could you drive over the bridge? It's been washed out. Washed out? I saw it with my own eyes, and Vincent saw it too, didn't you, Vincent? I certainly did. Oh, Vincent, I didn't know you were here. Yes, Everett, and I'm glad I am. Well, you two must be mistaken. Carol and I drove over that bridge less than three minutes ago. Three minutes, huh? Why do you say it that way? Are you sure you haven't been on the island longer than that? What does he mean? Hanged if I know. Some very strange things have been happening. Arthur's life has been threatened. What? It's true. By your sister, Valerie. Don't you two know that April Fool's Day is months away? Joke all you want, Everett, but it's true. Even the telephone wire has been cut. This is the telephone. Yeah. So the telephone wire's been cut, huh? You better answer it, Arthur. Uh, I'm almost afraid. Come on, I'll go in with you. Hurry, Arthur. All right. Hello? Hello. Hi. Valerie? We're here, Arthur. Listen. It's nine o'clock, Arthur. You have five more hours to live. waiting. I can't stand it. Why don't the police come? Now, take it easy, Arthur. They'll be here. We only phoned them a few minutes ago. But something might happen before they get here. We can't just sit around waiting for them to arrive. Of course, it would be difficult to find anybody out there in that fog. But we could look around until the police got here. No, no. No, I'm not going out there. She's waiting for me. Arthur, please try to understand. It couldn't be Valerie. You don't know any of you. I can feel it. She's... She's coming closer and closer every minute. Arthur, you've got nothing to worry about. I've got this gun. And believe me, I won't hesitate to use it. Vincent, I didn't know you were in the habit of carrying a gun. I gave it to him, Everett, before you arrived. What's oh. the matter? Don't you trust me with a gun? I really don't trust anyone with a gun. Carol, what is it? There was something outside the window. A sort of face. Carol, please, now don't you get started on this crazy nonsense. No. It's just a swirling fog. No, I saw it. But now it's gone. I could make out the eyes. They were shining like the eyes of a... Oh, God! Yes, he's coming for me! Let's go, Everett. That came from the back of the house. No, don't leave me! Carol, you go with Vincent. I'll stay with Arthur. All right. Vincent! Vincent, wait! Arthur, I stayed with you because I want to talk about Vincent. I think it was foolish of you to give him that gun. Vincent's my friend. I trust him. You shouldn't. Why do you say that? Don't you remember how he acted at the coroner's inquest? He testified against you time and again, very subtly, to make them think you were responsible for Valerie's death. You were wrong. Vincent would have no reason to do No. It. He and Valerie were quite close before you came along, Arthur. Even after you came along. That isn't true. He even saw the night she disappeared. You don't know what you're saying. At the inquest, he swore he wasn't on the island that night. But he was. And I can prove it. Here. Look at this. The cigarette lighter. Yes. With Vincent's initials on it. You can still see them through the rust. Where did you get that lighter? Carol and I found it in the water near the boathouse. I remember the day after Valerie disappeared, Vincent made a remark about losing his lighter. Now, do you still think he's such a friend? What? If what you say is true... 
You and Carol and I have got to stay together until the police get here. You're sure they're on the way? Yes, they told me on the phone it would take them less than 15 minutes to get here. Well, it may not be safe for you to wait for them here. We'll uh, go down to the bridge to meet No, them. no, I'm not going out in that fog. She's there waiting for me. Look, Arthur, you've got more to fear from Vincent than anyone. But don't come on before he returns. All right. We'd, uh, we'd better go out through the French windows. Good idea. Stay close to the house until we get to the garage. The, the fog is so thick, I I can't see you. I'm just on the edge of the gravel path. Wait. What's wrong? Arthur, stay where you are. Where are you? Something's out here near us. No <gasps> move. Just brush against me. Oh! Run! Run! Kitty, kitty, kitty. Don't go away, kitty. We need you for a couple of more murders. <laughs> Everett's dead, you know. That's what he gets for letting a black cat cross his throat. Say, so how do you like that Valerie? She's some wife, huh? Nagging her husband right to the grave. The same one she's in. <laughs> Well, Valerie's sore about that last phone call she made. The operator said to her, Five cents for the next five murders, please. <laughs> now let's get back to our frightened friends on that Florida island. She meant to kill me, Carol. She mistook Everett for me. Arthur, please. How is he, Vincent? He's dead. Oh, no. Everett. It's as if his throat was torn open oh, by a wild no. animal. I told you she was more animal than human. Oh. Seeing that cat, they were in here. Carol, you'd better not touch the body. Oh, leave me alone. You've done it up already. What's that supposed to mean? You know exactly what it means, Vincent. And when the police come, I'm going to tell them how you ran away from me out there in the fog. I didn't run away from you. I thought you were behind me when I came back to the house. You're lying. Just a moment, Carol. Why? What is it? The cigarette lighter that Everett had in his hand is missing. What cigarette lighter? You know the one I mean. The one that was found in the water near the boathouse. I haven't the faintest idea of what you're talking about. I have. Arthur, you'd better search him. Now, look here. If you're as innocent as you claim to be, Vincent, you shouldn't mind. All right, then go ahead and search. I will after I make this call. Whom are you calling? The police. Can't understand why they haven't gotten here yet. It's almost 10 o'clock. Hello. Hello, operator. Will you please connect me with police headquarters and hurry? Do you think you've been calling the police department all this time, Arthur? Oh, yes. Did you know about him and Valerie? Well, yes, Arthur. Why didn't you tell me? Well, I wanted to. But after all, she was my sister. We'll have to get away from him. Yes. Well, suppose we tell him that we're going for the police. He can't have any objection to that. But suppose he wants to come with us in the car. Well, somebody has to stay here with Everett's body. Well, do you think it's safe to leave him here? If he killed Everett, he'll have a chance to destroy any evidence. We can't help that. It's safer to leave him here than to take him with us. He still has that gun of yours. That's right, I have. Oh, Vincent, oh. forgive me for disturbing you two. 
thought you were supposed to be outside. I was outside for a while. But I saw somebody moving around in the other room, so I came back. When I got to the other room, I found Everett's body missing. What? Gone? Everett's body is gone? Vincent, you were in that room before alone. So was Carol after I left. Weren't you, Carol? Oh, I don't remember. I may have been. You were there alone, Carol. I remember. Arthur, you walked with me to the front door. When I left the house, the body was still there. After that, I don't know what happened. But perhaps Carol does. What are you driving at? What do you think I'm driving at? You mean that I did something with Everett's body? Draw your own conclusions. I've drawn mine. How dare you imply such things? I won't listen to another word of such talk. Not another word. Well, Arthur, what do you think? I, I don't know what to think. I'm going out of my mind. I don't know where to turn, who to trust. You can trust me. I wish I was sure that I could. Oh, of course you can. Now, come here, Arthur. Don't you see? The one who hopes to kill you is trying to break you down first. Now, for your own sake, you mustn't give in. I don't know who's behind all this, but I do know this. It's all part of a plan to destroy you little by little. Don't you see that now? Nothing makes sense. Now, you listen to me, Arthur, and listen to me well. Because there isn't a great deal of time left. We've got to get away from Carol while there's still time, while she's not here. Why? Can't you see? She's trying to kill you. Why? Yes. Don't be a fool. Carol is the one who lied to you. She and Everett both. They intended to murder you, but in the darkness and the fog, Carol made a, a fatal mistake. She thought it was you she was killing, not Everett. No, no, that was Valerie in the room. A human animal was there. You saw the claw marks on Everett's throat. That could be accomplished with an iron claw. Valerie is dead. What makes you so sure because of that? Because I know she's dead. They never drove across that bridge at nine tonight. They've been here on the island all evening. How do you know that? I know that because we saw that bridge with our own eyes. And I saw it again just ten minutes ago. It's still down. You're just saying that. Come, come on with me, Arthur, and you'll see for yourself. No. No, you're trying to get me out of the house, out into that fog where Valerie is. Will you stop being an idiot? Here. Take this gun. That'll make you feel any better. Take it and hold it in my back while we're outside. Now let's get away from Carol while there's still a chance. All right. Give me the gun. Yeah. No. Keep in front of me all the time. And I'm warning you. If you make one false move, I'll kill you. You see? Carol and Everett were lying to us. The bridge is still down. You're right, Vincent. They couldn't have come across that bridge. Of course not. The only trouble is we can't get back over it now either. But we've got to get off this island Wait somehow. a minute, wait a minute. I should have thought of it before. Your boat. I saw the motorboat after the accident. Well, what about a rowboat? Well, there's still one of those down at the boathouse at the other end of the island. Good. Then we can row over to the mainland. Yes, yes, of course. Come on. Wait a minute. Where are you going? Back to the house for the car. Don't be ridiculous. We can't go back there now. We've got to walk. All right. Along the beach here. Better walk faster than that, Arthur. Vincent... I have a feeling we're being followed. Ah, uh, just your imagination. Who could see us in this fog? But I tell you that... We are being followed. I told you. Look behind us. Yes, I can see it now. It's a cat. And there's a woman with it. Valerie! We've lost them, Arthur. 
They can't be far behind. It doesn't make any difference now. There's the boathouse just ahead. The boat! It's not at the land. Well, it must be. You can't see it because of the fire. I can see it isn't there. All right, then we'll hide in the boathouse till morning. You can't hide from the dead. Oh, will you please stop that nonsense? We're dealing with somebody very much alive. You've still got that gun. You can't harm the dead with stop a gun. It. Come on, we're going inside. Door's locked. I didn't lock it. This boathouse has never been locked before. All right, wait here. I'll break through the window and come around through the inside. There, just wait for me and I'll unlock the door. Hi. They're coming, Vincent. Hurry, hurry. Now, come on inside, Arthur. Better lock the door. Yes. Arthur. Uh, We're in luck. There's a phone here. Well, that's right. I forgot. Maybe it hasn't been disconnected like the other one. I'll try it. Hello. Hello, operator. Hello, Arthur. <laughs> It's 11 o'clock, Arthur. Just three more hours. Quarter or two, Arthur. You can't stay here another minute. And I can't run away any longer. Where would I go? Where would I hide? If she's going to kill me, let her come and do it. You've still got 15 minutes. Oh, my time's run out now. Well, I wanted to help you save yourself, but you wouldn't let me. I'm not going to stay here another second. Vincent! This is your last chance. Do you want to make a run for it with me? I told you it was no use. All right, then there's nothing more I can do. Goodbye. I've come for you. Valerie, please. You know why I've come, don't you? Please, don't come any closer. You hated me so much. Couldn't even wait until death came to me naturally. You knew how much I hated water. How much I was afraid of. Stand where you are. Don't come another step. You despised me because I... Your bullets can't harm me. There's no way you can harm me anymore. Because I am dead. But I can harm you. Valerie. Valerie, forgive me. Valerie, please forgive me. I, I, I was sorry as soon as I threw you off the boat, but it was too late. I, I dived into the water to find you, but I couldn't. I tried until my lungs almost burst. Please, please forgive me. Why? Why didn't you tell the police? I wanted to live. So now it doesn't make any difference. You're wrong about that, Arthur. Listen. It makes a big difference to us. What are you doing back here? I was listening outside your confession. Confession? Thank you, Miss Mason. That'll be all. Yes, Miss Mason? fog outside and this dim light in here helped her disguise. And, and it wasn't Valerie. How could it be? Valerie's dead, isn't she? And the dead can't really return. But Everett, who, who killed him? Everett? Everett's alive. Very much alive, Arthur. What? 
It wasn't hard for me to pretend being dead with uh, Vincent and Carol keeping you away from my body. And you... All of you were in on this together. Yes. The police couldn't help us because Valerie's body was never found. But we knew you had killed her. We just had to wait for the chance to prove it. And now you have my confession. Come on, Arthur. Wait a minute, Everett. Hello? Hello, Bennett. It's all over. Hmm. Yeah. You can hook up the wires again. And Bennett, you'd better get to work on that bridge right away. We're making a trip to the mainland. It's an outrage. All those juicy chances for murder and not one drop of blood spilled. I guess that's the way it is some nights. You just can't lay away a corpuscle. <laughs> and that Valerie. What a judge she turned out to be. Didn't even have enough courage to step out of her grave. Uh, confidentially, though, the reason is... Valerie doesn't like to be seen in shrouds. <laughs> Oh, no. No, there's no moral to this story. Just the ugly fact that when you're dead, brother, you're States over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System, and has been rebroadcast for service men and women overseas. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, a voice of information and education. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present. Inner Sanctum Mysteries, starring Miriam Hopkins. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host, Raymond, ready as always to provide you with your weekly ration of screams, gurgles, and blood. All in a spirit of gentle fun. I have no other object in mind. Except to reduce you to sniveling wrecks of nerves and shudders. <laughs> have you got a white sheet handy? You might uh, wrap it around yourself in case a ghost shows up. You'll think you're in the business and pass right on through you. <laughs> now, Mr. Raymond, don't be so silly. You know there are no such things as ghosts. Who said that? Oh, hello, Mary Bennett. So, you don't believe in ghosts, huh? And, uh... What's that standing behind you, huh? huh? Oh! Oh, you shouldn't have done that, frightening me mm -hmm. that way. Shame on you. Oh, I'm sorry, Mary. Can I make amends? 
Well, you might you might tell the folks how much you enjoy Lipton tea. Oh, gladly, gladly. Friends, just the other day, a ghost and I were having a conversation about Lipton tea. Now, and... here, here, here. Enough of that. Nobody is interested in what you and the ghost said about Lipton tea. Oh. No. Let's talk about real people and the solid pleasure they get from Lipton's. They drink it at mealtimes. They serve it when friends drop in for a visit. And, of course, they often brew themselves a cup of Lipton's during the day. Just because it's so nice to relax and enjoy that famous brisk flavor. Oh, by the way, that word brisk, B-R-I-S-K, is one that tea experts use. Brisk means that Lipton's always tastes tangy and bracing. It's never flat or wishy-washy. Yes, you just don't, don't know how good tea can be until you know how good Lipton's is. Okay, Mary, uh, suppose you go fry me a cup of tea. But uh, keep the kitchen door open because you're about to hear the story of the bog oak necklace. It's an original radio play by David Driscoll. And our heroine tonight is that beautiful star of stage and screen, Miss Miriam Hopkins, who will play the role of Emily. Now, be calm, be calm. There's nobody standing behind you. At least nobody you can see. <laughs> At the edge of a lake in a small New England town, two men are busy digging an excavation. Must have been like a cave around here once, huh? Mm. Yeah, old Miss Bristow used to own this property before she sold it to this here city man who's building. It used to be a fine apple orchard right up there. And was all fine trees once. Well, let's dig. That's what we're getting paid for. Hey, what's the matter with you, Polly? Look down there what I just hit with my shovel. Hmm? Oh, bone. Oh, cow, I expect. Cow? That ain't no cow bone, Jerry. Hey, Paulie. Huh? Look. Look at this with the bone. Yeah, I, I see it. And you call that a cow bone now? No, I don't. This here must have been a graveyard once. This here was never no graveyard. The river used to come right up to here almost before the big flood. Before they built the dam. Hey, hey what are you doing? Get your golden hat. You bringing that with you? Of course I am. Hat and... This. Yeah, but there, there must be a skull here, too. Of course there must be. We don't have to look for that, Polly. That ain't our job. Come on. Jerry and me was digging away there, Mr. Warren, down towards the river. And all of a sudden, Jerry kind of yelled. And when I asked him what's the matter, he... Shows me this leg bone. So I looks and there's the skeleton right at his feet. I see. So I figure you being the county attorney here, you're the man who ought to know first. Uh, yes. Uh, now, this place by the river that you're talking about, it's the land that city man bought to build a home on? Yeah, that's right. He, he bought it from old Miss Emily Bristow. And, and then we found this, too, around the... Well, I... I guess you'd call it the neck. That is where the neck would be. <gasps> is there anything wrong, Mr. Warren? Where did you say you found this bone and this necklace? Well, Jerry and me is 
making a trench for a water pipe, and we're digging where the old riverbank used to be. Right near the river edge. I leave the necklace with me. <laughs> if I need any more help, I'll get in touch with you. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, yes, sir. Forty years. Emily. Emily Bristol. What do you want with me after forty years, Andrew? Look, Emily. Well, these are old woman's eyes. Look closer. Take that away. Take it away. The bark oak necklace, Emily. Do you remember? Presented to Miss Emily Bristow on her 24th birthday by... by Andrew Warren. Where did you get it, Andrew? It was found at the river edge. On the property you've just sold. Daisy. Daisy. It's come back to us, Emily. After all these years. It's come back to us. The bark oak necklace... Necklace that meant the death of your sister, Daisy. Oh, Andrew. Oh, Andrew, darling. Daisy, there aren't two people anywhere as happy as we are. Of course not. Um, may I tell Emily? Why, yes. Yes, I suppose so. After all, she's your sister. She should know. Good night, darling. Look at that moon. Smiling at you. Oh. I'm going to close my eyes, and I won't open them until you're down the road out of sight. Good night, sweetheart. Oh. Good night. Good night, sweetheart. Good night, moon. Good... Oh, young ladies shouldn't stand staring at the moon that way. Oh, Emily. You frightened me so. I... Did I? Mm. You had a nice drive with Andrew in the moonlight, I hope. Mm-hmm. Emily... Andrew, uh, Andrew, yes, Andrew and I, we're, oh, darling, how will I ever stop my heart from beating so I can't let him say it for you, you're engaged, and there you are, it was easy, wasn't it, for you, you've no idea how easy it was for me. Right here. Emily, I wanted to see you so badly. She's already told me, Andrew. Emily, I want you to understand about this. I know how this must hurt you. You've got to break it off. You've got to. You can't marry her. Andrew, listen to me. Please. Please marry me. I beg you. Emily, we must be sensible. I beg you. If you love me, Emily, you must let me do what I feel is right. I can't let you marry Daisy. You're mine. I must have you. If not me, Andrew, no one. No one else at all. It's too late now. Forgive me. I'll never forgive you. And I'll never let you go. Emily. Emily. 
Never. 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 Emily. Emily, are you asleep? Go to bed, Daisy. Oh, Emily, don't be cross. I can't sleep. <laughs> you can't sleep. No, I'm so excited. Why, Emily, you're still dressed, too. Oh, so I am. What's the matter, dear? Don't you feel well? Well, I feel very well. Thank you, Daisy. Emily, what's the matter? Why do you use that tone with me? Oh, darling, you're not feeling well, are you? I can tell by the look on your face. Oh, come on. Come on out into the night. The moon is full, and, and, and let's walk up to the apple orchard. After all, Emily, even though we're going to be separated, it won't be forever. Aren't you afraid to be out here at night? Afraid? Afraid of what? We are at the end of the apple orchard. There's the little patch that goes down the river. I think you'd better go back now. I go back? Well, what'll you do? I'm going to stay here. I wouldn't dream of going back to the house alone. I thought you weren't afraid. All alone? Of course I'd be afraid all alone. Daisy, I don't want you to marry Andrew. Emily? You know what you've just said? Certainly. Why, I... Oh, Emily, I'm surprised at you. Well, you're jealous. Mm. That's right. I want you to write to Andrew and tell him that you've thought it over and that you've decided you don't love him and you're not going to marry him. How dare you speak to me that way? Now, get out of my way. I'll never talk to you again as long as I live. Have you thought that you mayn't have very long to live? Emily! Emily, I'll scream! No, you won't scream. You won't scream at all. And do you know why? Down in that little pigeon heart of yours, you're frightened. Frightened? Let go of my arms! You're hurting me! You're out of your mind, Emily! I'll let you go when you promise to write that letter. I promise. I, I promise, Emily. Now let go of me. As soon as we get back. Yes, yes, yes! And don't you dare breathe a word of this to anyone ever as long as you live. No, I promise. I promise. I... No, I think we understand who loves Andrew. I'll let you go. You don't know how close you came. Come back here, Daisy. You'd run away, would you? Emily! Emily, I wasn't running away. Please let me go. Oh. What are you doing with that necklace? I don't! No! I knew Please. I couldn't trust you. I knew uh, I never should have told help. you. Help! Stop, Emily! You're joking me. I, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Oh, about little Emily, though. Just think what a wonderful hangman she'd have made if she'd been born a girl. Kind of cute, huh? Being taken for a little swing by a girl. <laughs> what a terrible woman she is, Mr. Raymond. Oh, now, listen, I like Emily. She's so inventive. Most women will do anything for a necklace, but only Emily knows what to do with a necklace. <laughs> now, please. You know very well that the only thing you can do with a necklace is wear it. Oh, yeah. Well, the only thing you can do with Lipton tea is drink it. Well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> 
<laughs> and, Mr. Raymond, maybe you don't realize how often folks do drink Lipton tea. Why, it's the perfect beverage for so many occasions. And that's why it makes sense to have a good supply on hand to buy the larger, more economical size packages. And it is more economical that way, too. Oh, yes. It's wise to have a large size package of Lipton tea on your shelf because that well-known brisk flavor, that bracing, full-bodied taste, makes Lipton's always welcome. Hmm. That uh, gives me an idea. Maybe we should have had Emily and little Daisy talk out their quarrel over a cup of Lipton tea. (laughs) Oh, man, that'd be chummy. But it's too late now. Daisy is stretched out on the ground with a bog oak necklace twisted tight around her neck. She's not sleeping now. She's just dead to the world. (laughs) So, let's get back to our star, Miss Miriam Hopkins, who plays the role of Emily. Daisy, get up. Get up this minute and stop teasing me. You're not hurt that bad and you know you're not. Please get up, Daisy. You're frightening me. Daisy. Daisy, you're... You're acting... Just as though you were... You were... Dead. I am dead, Emily. You murdered me. You strangled me with a bog oak necklace. You see, you see, you wouldn't be talking to me if you were dead. You've killed your own sister, Emily, because you were jealous. That voice, that David's voice. But your lips are not moving. How can you be speaking to me, Daisy, when your lips are not moving? They'll find me here in the orchard with your necklace around my neck. And they'll know you did it. And they'll punish you. You'll never be allowed to marry Andrew. I will marry him. I will. Oh, what am I saying? Who am I talking to? Somebody's speaking to me with Daisy's voice. And all your life I'll be speaking to you. Just like this. Because you murdered me with the bar oak necklace. I must do something. I must get some help. Somewhere I must get some help. He can't be dead. I I just pulled the necklace a little bit, not tightly at all. You pulled it very tightly, Emily. Look at my neck and you'll see. You'll see how tightly you twisted the necklace. Stop it. Stop talking to me. I'll never leave you, Emily. Never as long as you live. You are dead, aren't you? I murdered you. Something dreadful will happen to me. I've got to do something. What what can I do? The river. I'm near the river. Stones, yes. With twine. Strong twine. Wound around the stones and tied the stones to her and I could throw her into the water from the crag on the hill and the stones would make her sink to the bottom and then she'd never come back. Never. And who would know? You know, Emily. Maybe, 
Maybe when I get back to her, she'll be moving and I'll talk to her. No. She is dead. She is... Oh, I... I'm running in the wrong direction. It was over there that I... I killed her. It couldn't have been because... Because she's not there. She... It was right here. Daisy's gone. She got up and walked away somewhere. She's alive. Emily. Oh. I found her, Emily. Strangled to death. I know nothing about it. What are you doing then with that twine in your hand? You wanted to tie stones to her, didn't you? Throw her in the river. I... I killed her because I was jealous. You're as guilty as I am. Because you should have married me. Yes, I am as guilty as you are. What will become of me now? All my hopes, my ambitions. If we can get rid of the body, then we can get married after all. It'll only take a little while for people to forget, and then we can go away somewhere. Begin I never over. want to look at you again as long as I live. Andrew. I hate you. I came back oh, here to speak to you again. I wanted to tell you I'd done a wrong thing. That I ought to marry you. I wanted to arrange with you about Daisy. How we could tell her without hurting her too much. I was heading toward your window when I saw her. Strangled with a bog oak necklace. What have you done with it? Exactly what you plan to do. Because no woman would have the strength to do it. I had rope in my rowboat. I tied stones to the body. Rode a bit into the river with it. Dropped it overboard. The plan works. You're safe. If it doesn't, he'll die. And I'll go to prison. I'm going now. The moon is down already. Soon it will be dawn. The necklace. What did you do with the necklace? I left it. Where it was. Around her neck. sound the necklace makes. I have heard it every night for 40 years. 40 years. Now she's come back to us. To me. Tell me, Andrew, where was it found? She's been there, at the bottom of the river all this time. Oh. During the flood last year, the skeleton... Must have been swept into that old sewer. Twine probably rotted away a long time ago. That's the only explanation I can give. Watching. Down there at the bottom of the river, watching. I'm going now, Emily. It's probably the last time we'll ever see each other. I'll leave the necklace with you. It was to you I gave it 40 years ago. Emily. What's that? The voice, her, her voice. I'm going. Don't leave me, Andrew. Don't leave me. He'll leave us, Emily. He'll leave the two sisters alone. Together. Andrew. We're alone now, Emily. 
just as we used to be. You and I and the necklace. No. Come, Emily, let's take a walk as we used to in the old apple orchard. No, no. Come, come, it's getting dark, dark. No, I've not been near that orchard in 40 years. Come, Emily, with me. But I'm old. No, you're young, as young as I am. Come with me. We'll tell each other little secrets, won't we, Emily? Just as we used to. Yes. The crickets will be chirping and the moon coming up, all as it used to be. Yes. And you'll be wearing your necklace, the bark oak necklace that Andrew gave you when he thought he loved you instead of me. You'll wear it the way you used to when you'd steal up there to the orchard to meet him. Remember? When he used to roll to the bottom of the hill and wait for you, and you could stand in the orchard until you heard him whistle. They're in my way. I can't bend over. Faster, faster. He may run off with Daisy. No. no. I'm coming, Andrew. I'm coming. Wait for me, Andrew. Wait for
me your answer true. Who gets choked first? Me, a lovely you. If you'll be the first to strangle, I'd appreciate your angle. And when I learn that it's now my turn, I'll gargle as nice as you. <laughs> what awful words to sing to such a nice song. Oh, but listen, I sing so well, and I can recite, too. Shall I recite you something suitable? Say a uh, mother goose rhyme, huh? Mr. Raymond, you don't know any mother goose. Is that so? Well, I know one that you love. Listen. Polly, put the kettle on. Polly, put the kettle on. Polly, put the kettle on, and we'll all have tea. Well, that's fine. Only I hope Polly makes sure that it's Lipton tea. Naturally. But I suppose there's little doubt that she'll use Lipton's. Because, after all, more people drink Lipton tea than any other brand. The reason for that is Lipton's famous brisk flavor. Yes, Lipton tea is never flat or insipid. It always tastes full-bodied and, and vigorous and... Well, I guess it's all summed up by that word brisk. Yes, folks, brisk is the word that the tea experts use when they talk about Lipton tea. So try it real soon, won't you? They say... Of course, I'll just tell you what the gossip is in the morgues I visit. They say... That Daisy and Emily can be seen almost any moonlit night. Skull, gently touching skull, floating through the old apple orchard as of yore. If you'd like them in your home, you could use their ration coupon. Outside of rattling a bit when the wind blows, they're very nice and companionable. Especially on dark nights. And in the summer... You can always use them for scarecrows in your victory garden. <laughs> by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum Mystery Novel is The Outsider by A.E. Martin. For now, it's really time to close that there squeaking door until next week at the same time when Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup will once again bring you another Inner Sanctum Mystery produced under the direction of... Hyman Brown. So until then, good night. Pleasant dreams. <laughs> Folks, I wonder what our grandmothers would have said if they had heard about Lipton's noodle soup. I'll bet they wouldn't have believed it possible that a delicious chicken noodle soup could come ready to make in an envelope. But if they'd tasted Lipton, they would have agreed that it has an old-fashioned, homemade flavor, that it tastes just like the kind of chicken soup they used to make themselves. And Lipton is economical, too. It costs less and makes more than canned soups. So, folks, be sure to try Lipton's noodle soup. And be sure to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Well, guys, that does it for The Dead Never Die. 
If you like the show, please comment and subscribe, guys. Please join me later on tonight as I bring two episodes. The first one is going to be Miss Lucille Ball with Mr. Richard Denning in the... NBC or CBS comedy show Father the CBS comedy show My Favorite Husband starring Mr. Seal Ball and Mr. Richard Denning and join me also guys for another episode to chill your spines as I bring back to the show Mr. Boris Kolarov Mr. Bella Lugosi and Mr. Vincent Price in The Monsters Tell the Story Part 2 and join me in the coming weeks guys as I bring such stars as Mr. Jack Benny and next Tuesday guys alright welcome to the show another episode to chill your spot and then next Friday join me as I bring to the show to tickle our funny bone Mr. Red Skeleton and join me Halloween night as I bring the story of Frankenstein to the show for the 90th anniversary of the movie starring Mr. Boris Karloff and I hope you guys enjoy those episodes if you're new to my podcast welcome please go back and listen to Mr. Orson Welles which was last year's June episode and if you're a regular on the program thank you for sticking by me all this past year I really do appreciate it guys and always remember to enjoy the show thanks